0: So, uh, you've been chatting a little bit about um, when you face a fear or a life-changing moment. Um, So, I'm going to share one from Jen, which is um, why we've got this picture up here, because I think that is Jen. No, it's not Jen. But she did this. She actually swam with sharks. Now, if you know Jen, you will know that her biggest fear is sharks. So much to the point that one time she was in the shower... And she convinced herself that there was a shark going to attack her while she was in the shower and kind of ran out of the shower screaming. That is how A, vivid her imagination is and B, how scared she is of sharks. And yeah, for a birthday present, I took her to Blue Planet down in Chester because she does love them. This is the thing. She loves looking at them. Uh, and then kind of surprised her with this, oh, we're going to swim with sharks once everybody goes home thing. And uh, yeah, credit to her. She did it. She faced her fear and she went for it. Um, Life-changing moment. Um, For me, uh, there's been lots of different ones. An obvious one that I think of straight away is probably hope being born. Now, obviously, Ella is amazing, but why hope being born is a life changing one is obviously I hadn't been a parent before. That was the thing. It was like suddenly now I'm a parent. And I remember obviously we were, I, when, when Jen was giving birth, Jen's mum was there, I was there uh, and there was some, I can't remember whose idea this was. I got a feeling it was Jen's mum's but uh, someone had the idea, let's film it let's film this thing, right, so I promise I did, I filmed it, right, thinking this is going to be a life-changing moment, and now this was the old days when video cameras had like tapes, okay, so it wasn't digital, uh, so there is still somewhere, and this is the thing, I don't know where, it has been lost, there is still somewhere a tape of hope being born, um, that's about as much detail as I'm going to give you right now, and, and I've just got this thing that one day, me and Jen, you know, in our 90s, will die, you know, holding hands. Uh, and uh, and then our poor old covenello will have to clear out our bungalow, which we've moved into uh, and, you know, rifle through all our stuff and they'll find this old tape and they'll go, what's this? I've never seen one of these before. And someone old will say, that old thing is a tape. That's what they used to have in the old days. You can still get that turned into a digital hologram, don't worry. Uh, and uh, Uh, So they'll take it to the digital hologram conversion shop and uh, and then then in 3D glory they will see hope being born. And it will be something that will scar them for life. Uh, But um, the reason I want us to have a little look at this is because of uh, what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm going to read you a few different passages uh, from the book of Acts um basically just to remind you uh the bible is not one book it's this library of books in fact books in fact the word bible that's all it means it just means library and so this book is one of lots of them the book of acts and really it's stories about the acts of the apostles the people who had followed jesus were his mates This is a book describing what they did. So it's kind of like a bit of a biography about them, maybe. A little bit of a news report of what they were doing. So, um, and this is talking about... This passage is talking about the new Christians. They've literally been Christians for a few weeks, really. Jesus has died. Jesus amazingly came back from the dead. That blew everyone's mind. And then, as we've talked about before, then he goes to heaven and kind of leaves them to crack on, telling everybody about it. Uh, And this is very early days after that. And we're going to look at um, a couple of stories, and I'll read them out to you. So the first one is from Acts chapter 3, and it says this. Peter and John, who were two of... Jesus's mates who'd been hanging out with him the whole time, uh, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the layman by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and straightened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized that he was the lame beggar that they'd seen so often at Beautiful Gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And then we'll move on a little bit further on uh, to the next chapter. So Peter starts telling everybody about Jesus after they kind of come and see what's going on and after that it says this while Peter and John were speaking to the people they were confronted by the priests the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees so these are the guys who are leaders in the temple they're in charge they're the bouncers they're the management it says these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead now this is freaking them out these guys are in their temple telling everybody that Jesus who's one of the people they had kind of tried to get crucified is now back from the dead. They arrested them and since it was already evening put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. So that's the men. There was probably women as well, maybe kids too. So loads and loads of people starting to listen and believe in this news about Jesus. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and the teachers of the religious law, so these are those, that, that kind of management, the li- religious leaders, met in Jerusalem. Anias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power, or in whose name, have you done this? Uh, and then it goes kind of on again a little bit more, Um, and what happens in this situation is basically they they say, um, what are we going to do with these guys? How are we going to stop them talking about Jesus? This is a little bit scandalous for us. This is embarrassing for us, but actually this goes against what we believe in as well, and so that's a bit of an, an issue for them, and so basically they threaten Uh, Peter and John, and they say, if you keep doing this, if you keep talking about Jesus, then we're going to kill you, we're going to put you in prison, and all this sort of stuff. Um, And I want to read you one last uh, verse uh, at the end of this chapter. So after they've been threatened by the leaders, it says that um, Peter kind of gets together, um, and they start to kind of uh, pray as a group uh, with their friends. And this is one of their prayers. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Um, So... What we see in these stories, and there's, there's more there, that I've kind of skipped through some of it, but go back if you want to and kind of have a little read as well of these first few chapters of Acts. Um, what we see is something that happens, which is that Peter and John were these ordinary people that spent time with Jesus and it changes their lives. And then when Jesus leaves and goes to heaven... Uh, but sends the Holy Spirit, which is something we looked at a couple of weeks, they've now got this kind of courage, this boldness, to start telling other people and praying for other people. And things start changing, not just in their lives, but in other people's lives. And so we see that Peter and John's lives get changed, But also then other people, the people around them, the people they see, their lives get changed as well. And so what we're kind of seeing in these early uh, chapters is something where lives are being changed. And so what I wanted to talk about today, our kind of like theme is this, okay? Um, Four things that change lives. Four things that change lives. And I think as we look at these verses, what we're going to see is that there are kind of two things that we kind of need to see change in someone's life. But there are also two things that we already have to see change in someone's life. So that's our four things. Two things that we need and two things actually we've already got, but maybe we don't realize. uh, And all those things can change lives. They can change our lives, but also they can change the lives of those around us. So... What are these things, okay? So two things we need, two things we already have. Well, the first are the two things we need. Compassion and courage. That's one of the, some of what we see, I think, in this first story. The story of uh, this, this uh, beggar, this lame beggar. I think we see that uh, actually Peter and John needed compassion and they needed courage for that man's life to be changed. Now, let's just start with compassion. You see, compassion is obviously when we see something and we go, ah, that's not okay. Something needs to change. That's not all right. we need I need to do something about that, right? That's compassion. And at different times in our lives, hopefully, we've felt that. We've felt compassion, whether it's someone, you know, in our family that's struggling and we want to help them, whether it's even a friend or even just somebody we don't know, a stranger, and that we feel a compassion and we want to do something to change, to try and see their life shift in some way. Something maybe to not be the same as it is now. But one of the things I've noticed about compassion is this. Compassion is really tricky when we kind of see the same things over and over again. Have you noticed that? I remember hearing a story, I don't know how true this story is, but whether it's true or not, it's still a good story, right? And it's about this guy called uh, David Livingstone. Now, David Livingstone is kind of a famous explorer who went to Africa and he kind of discovered loads of uh, famous waterfalls and different things there, Uh, but he was also a missionary, so he kind of went to Africa to tell people about Jesus. Um, And the story goes that one day when he first arrives in Africa, he uh, kind of has somebody who's showing him around, someone who's been living in Africa for a while. He's not African, this person. He's been there as a missionary as well. But he's kind of showing David Liverstone around, trying to help him learn and get orientated and, and all that kind of stuff. And so they're walking around. And as they're walking around the, uh, the bush, uh, David Liverstone hears this kind of screaming in the distance. And he turns to the man he's with and he says to him, What's that? What's that screaming? That's terrible. And uh, then the man he's with looks at him and he says, Listen, Dr. Livingston, um, you're in Africa now. And there are things that happen in Africa that don't happen back in Europe, where we're from. um, And you just kind of have to accept that this is Africa. And uh, that was his phrase this is Africa. And David Liverson walks along a little bit more and he's struggling with this. He's trying to go, well, what's going on? And then they they see something happen, which is that as they're walking along, in front of them, a bunch of people start to come out of some of the kind of bushland onto like the track that they're on. And David sees that it's uh, some slave traders. It's people that have got guns uh, and they've got a group of people, a group of Africans who have been chained up and they obviously have been kidnapped, captured from some village somewhere and now they're being taken somewhere else to be sold, to be shipped to another country. That's what's happening and that of course did happen and David Livingstone sees this and he starts kind of like screaming and yelling at what's going on because he sees it and he knows it's wrong and he can't believe it's happening and so he, he wants to do something and even as he's running at this group of people, the man behind him, the man he's present is David who's been showing him around he says, David there's no point, this is Africa, this is Africa. But David Limstone runs over to this group of people and he starts just kind of shouting at these traders. Now, it would seem in the story that the traders were just kind of hired men. They weren't kind of like the actual people who were making the profit or whatever. Uh, and so they're kind of looking at this man, this white man, who's screaming at them and they don't know who he is. But the fact that he's white, the fact that he's there, they, they, kind of that, that makes them wonder, oh no, maybe we're, we're going to get in trouble here. And so actually what they choose to do is just walk off and they just leave the people. So they walk off and David Livingstone is actually able to set those people free and they're able to go back to their village. Um, And as I say, I don't know whether that story is true, but one of the things about it is that when Jen and I went to South Africa a few years ago, um, we were there. People were there and they would still say, this is Africa. In fact, it's like a phrase that's used quite a bit, you know, TIA, this is Africa. And it's just like, yeah, that's just how things are. It's just what it's like here. Um, And and one of the things I've noticed is that uh, we can do that too. I've caught myself thinking as I've been walking around our streets, seeing just loads of, loads of, like, fly tipping everywhere. Or as I kind of see people kicking off in, on the street, I'm sitting in my lounge and I can hear people kicking off on my street, screaming at each other. Or I can be walking along and I'm there's like, you know, a homeless person with 20 cans just trying to get through the day, sitting in the bus stop on, our, on the end of our road. And do I feel compassion? Or do I just go, ah, this is our pay. That's just how it is. That's what it's like. It's actually quite easy, isn't it, when it's something we see lots to stop feeling the compassion about it, the conviction that things shouldn't be like this, because we get used to it. And, you know, we can kind of look down at that guy who said to, to Livingstone, this is Africa, but I catch myself feeling it. I catch myself going, yeah, well, you know, that's just how things are. And one of the incredible things about this story is that this man, it says, this, this um, beggar, he was there every day, it says. He said, it says in the passage, I don't know if you remember, it said they took him there every day, and he would sit by this gate, and he would beg, and people would go to prayers every day in the temple. And so Peter and John probably have seen this guy every day, but something about That day means, maybe they were just because of everything that had just happened, how God had just started to really speak to them and fill them with his spirit, something happens where they actually have compassion, even though it's something very familiar. We know the phrase, don't we, déjà vu? We know that phrase. It literally means, uh, let me just check what it literally means before I tell you what it literally means. It (laughs) means... It means already seen, if you translate it from the French, already seen. But what we know déjà vu is, is when you're somewhere new, but something feels familiar and like, I haven't been here before, but this all feels like I've been here before. Already seen. That's what déjà vu is. But for us to have compassion, I think one of the things that we need to try and ask Jesus for is a bit of vu right? Which is the opposite of déjà vu, right? And vu is where actually in the familiar, where we've feel like we know it all we've seen it all before that we feel something new we see something new so when we're walking down the street or we're with our family or the people who we rub our shoulders with where it's at work or wherever we go during the day and that actually these we know this so well this is so familiar can we have compassion in those moments can we actually say to ourselves hang on a minute maybe that shouldn't be like that maybe maybe this this isn't okay i need to want something to change in this person's life, even though I'm really familiar with it. So what I'd love you to do just for a minute um, is to have a quick discussion again and ask, tell each other, who are the people or what are the situations that we've got so used to that we've stopped thinking it shouldn't be like that? Okay, so that's a tricky one. Now, you, I know not everyone here would call themselves a Christian necessarily, and that's cool, but I think whether you kind of, you know, believe in God or not, you will still be a person who can sense things aren't right, can't you? Of course you can. You can still have compassion, of course you can. It can still be tricky for us in the familiar to see some of those things. So what are the situations or the people that we, we're really used to um, where we've kind of stopped thinking it doesn't have to be like that I gave you some examples from me but what 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 examples have you got have a little chat about that for a minute or two go okay so don't worry um the other three we're not going to spend quite so much time talking about but that's that's compassion the other one then of course is courage and um I think one of the things that we need to remember is Peter and John have done something extremely courageous. Um, It wasn't very long ago that they and their mates were hiding in a room because Jesus had been arrested and killed uh, because of the things that he said and did and they were his mates. So they were hiding because they thought this could come back on us too. We could get arrested. We could get killed. And so they were scared. They were hiding in a lock room. They were waiting to see what was going to happen. They were hoping it was all going to blow over. Uh, and then instead of it blowing over what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and blows his life into them and courage into them a boldness into them and suddenly these guys who had been scared and hiding are now out on the streets telling everybody yeah we were there we saw it we're his mates we believe that he came back from the dead there's this real change but now Peter and John here they are right in the center on the patch of the people who had killed Jesus so remember, it was these religious leaders who were in charge of the temple who had been the ones who had got Jesus arrested and killed. So now it's like they've walked straight into their land, their turf, and now they're doing something which is they are praying for people in the name of Jesus, which is kind of blasphemy in the minds of these temple leaders because they were like, there's only one God, you don't, you don't pray in the name of anyone other than him and so they're basically saying Jesus is God and he can heal people that's what they're saying in this moment so that took a load of bottle to do that I mean they didn't do that lightly they understood the risk of doing that they understood this wasn't just the scary thing of saying can I pray for you and hope you get better which is scary enough this was added because this was kind of like and we've got a good chance of being arrested if we do this and in fact that's what happened they got arrested so they were right. Um, so the question, I guess, is is what, what had happened? Because Peter and John, they'd gone from hiding, and now they're these people who no one can shut up. God seems to have given them some boldness, some courage. But what I think we see as we keep reading through the following chapters is that they still, even though God gave them that boldness on, on Pentecost, they had to keep asking, and they had to keep acting. It wasn't just something that happened once. What they had to do was keep asking God to give them cold courage and boldness. But then even then, they had to actually do something about it. They had to act. Um, they were just going where God was leading them. Um, I was trying to talk to Ella about this. I do maybe some of you can remember this. That, um, there was a Mr. Man character, right, who um, got given some shoes that were like magical shoes. And they were kind of like his punishment um, these shoes would kind of just make him walk everywhere, even though he didn't want to. And they made him walk around and around and around. This is someone walking, in case you forgot what that looks like. Uh, walking around. Do you, remember, do you remember this character? Do you remember this story? No, obviously not. Maybe. It's definitely one of them. One of the Mr. Men stories is that these shoes were magical and they made him go where he didn't want to go. Um, But that is not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. He gives us courage, but we still have to choose to do something. We have to choose to go where he leads us. Mother Teresa, lots of you will have heard of Mother Teresa. She famously said this. Someone asked her, when she felt called to work with the poor because she was working with some of the poorest people in in India and I said you know when did that happen when did you feel that you were called to these these poor places and poor people and she actually said I never felt called to serve the poor I just felt called to serve Jesus and he led me here And and there's this thing, actually, that we are, if we kind of call ourselves Christians, that part of that is going where he asks us to go. But he doesn't force us to. He doesn't make us. He's not like the magic shoes. We still have to choose. And that's the thing about courage, actually. Courage is always a choice. It's always a choice. We have to choose courage. But the other thing I've learned about courage is this, that actually it takes practice like most things that we choose. It takes practice. We have to keep choosing it. We have to keep choosing to be brave, keep choosing to step into something that feels a bit scary, that it's something we have to keep doing. And sometimes, like things we practice, it gets a little easier the more we do it, but it's still something that we have to keep practicing. Um, And so what I think we kind of learn about this, and we'll talk a little bit more about courage in a minute as well, is that uh, these are the things that um, they needed they needed compassion and they needed courage but there were two things I think in the story that they already had and I think we have two and in in this we see that they had a story to tell and they had God's spirit in them and that's the same of us we have to change someone's life we have these things we have our story and that can change someone's life believe it or not and also just like them 2,000 years later, we have his spirit. So let's uh, just quickly talk about these two things then. Your story is one of the things that you have. You might not realize it, but that's one of the things you have that can change someone's life. Um, in the email I sent out this week, I mentioned this, this website, whatsmystory.org. It's this really simple thing that you can go to and it kind of helps you if you kind of a Christian Um, then it helps you find a way of telling people why you're a Christian or how you became a Christian uh, in a way that makes sense and it's easy and not too kind of complicated. Um, But really what they do is they kind of break it into these four areas, okay? So they get you to think about, what was your life like without Jesus? And that's just something for you. And they encourage you to come up with one sentence that describes what your life was like without Jesus. Then uh, it says... One sentence on how you found out about Jesus. What happened in your life for you to find out about who Jesus was? Maybe it was a person you met, maybe it was something that you did but you started to find out about Jesus. Then the third thing was what difference has made knowing Jesus actually made to your life? A sentence that explains that. Uh, And then they talk about a a kind of confidence statement. In other words, now I know that, because of that, now I know that this is true, I'm, I'm, I don't know, now I know that there's always someone who will love me for whoever I am, or now I know that I'm gonna, I don't have to be scared of dying because I know I've got a future with Jesus, whatever happens, or, or whatever. Um, so I would really encourage you, if you, if you, you are here as a Christian, uh, your story, how you met Jesus and the difference he's made in your life is so important. You might not think it's that special, but it can change someone's life and so we need to learn how to tell that story in a really simple way without using religious language without having to do a sermon but just in even four sentences maybe being able to explain our story to someone is a really good thing to learn but it's something we have to kind of prepare and get used to and sort of practice a little bit um and so i'd really encourage you to do that i'd really encourage you to maybe this week, have a look at this website and, and have a go. But what I'd like you to do now, just in your groups, uh, is pick just one of these things that you would find easiest to explain. I don't want you to kind of give the answer, um, but maybe to say out of all of them, that's the one I'd find easiest. I could, I could talk about that one quite easily. I could talk about what my life was like before quite easily. Um, but also, what's the one you're gonna find, you're gonna have to do a little bit more thinking about? You know, you might say, well, actually, but it might be harder to do the now I know that thing or whatever. That's the thing I need to give some thought to. So does that make sense? So have a chat. Pick which one you think of these is easier for you to answer and which one of these is um, harder for you to answer. Um, And if you don't want to talk about that, that's fine because you might be going, well, it's none of them because I'm not a Christian and I'm just kind of, you know, that's fine. Okay, you can just go, none. That's fine. You don't have to say anything. But just for a couple of minutes, have a little chat about that, and then I'm going to wrap up with our last thing, okay? But have a go of talking about that for a minute. Go. Okay, so. That's our story. And I would just want to encourage you again. Whatever your story is or however far on your story you think you are with Jesus, maybe you feel like you're right in the beginning and you don't even know half the things you believe or don't believe. That's okay though, that's still your story. The point is that you could say to someone, you know, I'm still trying to figure out half of this and that's cool because that's your story. Maybe that's what they need to hear actually. They might be glad to know there are people who are still trying to work things out. Um, So your story is going to really be an important thing that you have that can change someone else's life. But the second thing is, um, yeah, his spirit. And uh, in this uh, story beginning at the the beginning with the lame man, there's this moment, isn't there, after kind of Peter and he have had this little chat uh, where he says, look, be healed. And then it says that Peter stretches out his hand and grabs him by the hand and starts to kind of lift him up. And he says, as he starts to lift him up like this, that's when the power comes into his legs and, and this man is healed. Now that's quite a thing, isn't it? Because if that hadn't have happened, that, you know, that guy would have just basically fallen over and, and like Peter had pulled him up and he would have just fallen over. I mean, that's where you see some of the courage. But also, this is really important to realize, is it was, it was Peter's hand, but it was the power of the spirit. It was the spirit's power that actually did the healing. In other words, like Peter helped, but it was the spirit. It was Jesus who healed. It wasn't Peter. He wasn't the one who healed. In fact, he sort of says, be healed in Jesus' name. In other words, he's saying, I'm not a healer. I'm not a faith healer. I don't do this. He doesn't claim to be the one who's doing the healing. It's all Jesus. Jesus is the one that can do it. But what happens is that as, as Peter steps out and does something a bit scary, that's when the power of Jesus steps in, if you like. And there is this combination I wonder if he would have been healed if Peter hadn't put his hand out and pulled him up. I don't know. We don't know. But there seems to be this kind of partnership between Peter and the Spirit of God. That it's like, OK, Peter, you, you do this bit and then I'll do the healing bit. Um, and that's, that's something that I think is really important for us because as we step out, Jesus steps in. And that is all of us. That's any of us. Later on in, um, in the next chapter, when the guys have been arrested and uh, they're kind of all taught, all the religious leaders are talking about them and they're going, what are we going to do with these two guys? They're going around, this guy's been healed. What are we going to do about this situation? One of the things that it says in the passage, it says that they noticed that Peter and John were ordinary people who had spent time with Jesus. That's what it says. They says they, they were ordinary people who had spent time with Jesus and that all this was happening. So that's really important for us to hear. And the reason why that's important is because it means you don't have to be a vicar. You don't have to be a bloke or a woman from the Bible. You just have to be an ordinary person who has spent time with Jesus. And that that is all we need for the Spirit of God to do something powerful in the Bible people around us in their lives according to the bible and that's what I believe now I also know that uh, that's sometimes complicated and it doesn't always happen the way I think it's going to happen but I want to be a person who steps out so that Jesus can step in that's who I want to be And I don't need to understand everything. And I don't need to have like a a dog collar on. I can be an ordinary person who has spent time with Jesus. And that means that if I step out, Jesus can step in. And so what I wanted us to do as we finish now is this. I I want us to spend a little bit of time and we're going to kind of pray for each other a little bit. Um, And we won't do that in a weird way or a freaky way so you know and if you don't want to be part of that that's absolutely fine you can just kind of sit and just kind of you know have a little think whilst this is happening and we have to spend a couple of minutes doing it but what we see in this this um passage that we read is a prayer that the apostles prayed and i kind of want us to take this prayer uh, on for ourselves for this week okay because what it says is this remember they've They've been threatened, they've been told they're going to get arrested or even killed if they carry on telling people about Jesus. But what they want is compassion and courage and they want to continue to remember that they have a story and God's spirit. And we sort of see that in this, in this, in this prayer. It says, now consider their threats. This is them talking to God. God, consider their threats and enable your servants, that's us, enable your servants to speak your word tell our story with great boldness having courage stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders so in other words they're saying that you know we need your spirit you're the one who's going to have to do the miraculous things the healings and all that kind of stuff Uh, and the only way that will happen is if they have compassion for those around them and so what i'd love us to do is to kind of take this prayer now you might want to use these exact same words that are here or you might want to just use your own words and that's okay but I just want to ask you if this week you want to be somebody who keeps your eyes open who's looking around amongst maybe the familiar the people and places that you know so well and you're looking for those opportunities to have compassion on someone and, and say it doesn't have to be like this and then maybe you're, you're looking for the courage to then do something about it and then you're saying maybe there's an opportunity for me to share my story to invite someone to church or ask do they want some prayer or just tell them about what i believe there might be an opportunity for that or maybe even um for god's spirit to move in another way like someone being healed or something else happening and so if you just like okay i'm up for that this week i don't know what that even means But I want this this family of ours, right, this church family of ours, to not stay the same. In terms of, I don't want us to be the same people as we were, you know, six months ago. So we've got to give God permission to do stuff in us. But I don't want us to be the same, as in, I want us to have people who aren't sitting here today because God has done something. Maybe they don't know Jesus yet and they've discovered him for the first time. Or maybe they've rediscovered him because they thought they'd given up on him. But they'll be here... Because of some of the times when we've been willing to step out, and then Jesus has stepped in. So this is how we're going to do it. Okay, really, really briefly. Um, if you're like, "Yeah, I want that. I want to have courage. I want to have compassion, and I want to be able to tell my story and see God's Spirit move," uh, then we, I, I want us to pray for you. Okay, and it might. If we all go, "Yes," that's all of us, and we'll all just kind of go. Like that and put our hands on each other's shoulders and pray if it's one person then you know that's fine someone nearby will be but the first thing you gotta go is yeah that's me i want that prayer today i want to be able to pray this i want to ask god to give me boldness and for him to help me share my story and for his spirit to move and bring change in those around me okay so if that's you and you're saying yeah i'm up for that this week i'm up to see where i will be led by god this week then put your hand up and we're going to pray great cool here's <laughs> most of us okay cool so tell you what, why don't we stand then because it is us all of us I think now sometimes what Christians do I don't know why we do it but sometimes it's just about using our bodies as part of our prayers right uh, sometimes what Christians do is they just put their hands out like this as a way of just saying I want to receive something I think like you're going to give me something so that's a good thing that's a kind of I'm ready to receive thing but also it's a I'm not holding on to stuff Uh, and I think sometimes we have to let go of fear or we have to let go of pride or we have to let go of uh, disappointment when when things haven't worked out before or whatever and so sometimes it's just going okay I'm going to stop holding on to those things and I'm going to do that too so why don't we do that why don't we just put our hands out in front of us And it can mean I want to receive from God, but it can also mean I want to let go of what is getting in the way. And I'm going to pray. And we're going to spend a bit of time in silence. And then I'll wrap up with a final prayer and we'll be done.